it feels like I've lost myself. We hear that all of the time when we're talking about codependency. I feel like I've lost myself and I don't know how to get myself back because you, when you left, it feels like you brought me with you. So when you walked out the door, so did I. I no longer have a sense of myself and that is very discombobulating. Hey, y'all, before we get into the episode, I just want to start by saying I will be talking about God. I will be talking about codependency from a spiritual perspective. And if that's in any way hurtful, offensive, or triggering to you, I recommend that you skip this episode and that and the part two that will go with this episode. Because I'm going to be talking pretty explicitly about um, or from the spiritual perspective. So if it is in any way triggering, offensive, or hurtful to you, um, if it is inflaming for you in any sort of way, then please give yourself permission to skip this episode. There are indeed other ways to replace codependent behaviors with healthier behaviors, okay? And so it, this this, um, this episode is not meant, and the next one is not meant to convert you. It's definitely not meant to offend you or hurt you or trigger and flame you in any sort of way, okay? So I just want to say that, and I'm saying this because um, I know this is not the typical way that I go about an episode. And so um, some people may be listening to this and they listen to it every week or they keep up with it, however you do. And um, I just don't want this to be, you know, an, an inflaming thing for you. So, um, and if it is for you, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts about it. I'm excited about this conversation. Um, the conversation is literally happening on Patreon, which is linked in my show notes. And so if you're interested in seeing some of these replays that are, that have been happening since I've even recorded this episode, if you're interested in seeing those videos and catching those other lives, then please join the Patreon. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoy the episode. I am Taylor Chandler. I'm a licensed therapist, host of this podcast, Boundaries and Grace, and leader of my practice, Reattach. My mission is to help you shift to secure attachment, uprooting anxiety and avoidance, replacing with clarity and peace. You will shift. We're going to talk about codependency. I've talked about codependency in many different ways across time, but now at this point, we're bringing codependency down to the deepest root, what I believe is the deepest root of codependency, um, which is a disconnection from God. So oftentimes we think about codependency. Let's go ahead and get into it. First, I'll say this. Let me put a disclaimer on this. What we're not going to talk about tonight is how codependency develops. We're not going to talk about the childhood stuff. Okay, we're not talking about the childhood stuff and how codependency develops in our um, from childhood and how people end up being anxious because of relationships that you have with your parents and things. What I want us to understand with this episode is that your childhood issues, hey, that childhood issues are a shadow of this bigger, more essential issue. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say that? That your code that codependency issues that developed in childhood are only is only a shadow of what this more essential issue is. Just put in the comments, what do I mean by that? What do I mean by it's a shadow that your codependency issues in childhood, that it's a shadow of what this more essential issue is, what I am claiming is a disconnection from God. What does it mean that it is a shadow? It's a factor, but not the root, okay? 
Okay, I'll take that. What does it mean, y'all? Thank you, Kat. What does it mean that something is a... Y'all know I'm like a teacher. <laughs> so I'm like, it's a, it's a call and response. Um, Mike says an underlying issue. Okay, so that the that the essential issue, the disconnection with God is an underlying issue, um, underlying the uh, childhood issues. What else do we think? Um, Estrian says it's meant to show you that there is a bigger issue. Okay, good. Okay, I like that. So it's meant to show you that there is a bigger issue. When you think about a shadow... When you think about a shadow, it is like your shadow is yours, right? Like your shadow is yours, but it is nothing compared to the actual you. We already doing it. Are we, we here? We here so far? Are we waking up? I know it's late, but are we waking up? You see what I'm saying? Are we waking up in this moment? So your your shadow is an indication that you're there, but it is not actually you. What a lot of us focus on, and I have focused on, right? Like I, we have a healing childhood workshop. We talk about childhood a lot. We're talking about attachment issues. And I have put that out on the main page often. We're talking about childhood issues. So it's not that it is not valid. It is valid. It is real. Just like your shadow exists, but it is indi- it indicates a larger, more essential, more core issue which I am saying today, which I'm putting the stake in the ground, that that bigger issue, the more core issue, is a disconnection with God. So we're, we're all together so far? We're all together so far? I, I want us to first ground in codependency. What is it? I define it as this, looking for something on the outside of me to soothe what is on the inside of me. Will somebody drop it in the comments? Before we get into the deeper issue, we need to make sure that we know where we're at, okay? Let's survey the land. Where are we? We, What is codependency? Codependency is looking for something on the outside of me to soothe what is on the inside of me. What would we be trying to soothe? Um, Some sort of feeling that you don't like, an internal experience, good, an internal experience that I would rather not have. When I am having an internal experience that I would rather not have, when I am in my codependent state, I reach for something on the outside of me to soothe that internal experience that I am trying to get rid of. Codependency, y'all, used to be um, the reason why codependency became like a word, became a condition, was because we talked about it in um, in the context of addiction. Okay, we talked about codependency in the context of addiction. That if I was, for example, feeling depressed, I would reach for heroin and take a hit and suddenly I feel euphoric. When I am feeling anxious, I reach for a drink. And when I drink, it helps to calm my anxiety. Alcohol is a depressant. So codependency was first used in the context of addiction. I used to work in addiction for several years. I didn't even. Now, what's interesting, y'all, I'm going to tell y'all this. I had already been in therapy and had a therapist tell me, I don't think she really told me I was codependent, but she was like, have you heard about codependency? And when I learned about it, I was like, I had the same experience as most people do, which is, oh my gosh, y'all reading my text. (laughs) How did you know? Right. So I had that experience as well. So I I understand that feeling of being like, oh my gosh, that is totally me. I absolutely feel like that. That's, that's exactly what I do in relationships. Um, 
So I had already been introduced to codependency and I even related to it. What I didn't know was about codependency as it related to addiction, because at that point I had never worked in addiction. I, I hadn't worked in a rehab before I had not And no, my, that is not a thing in my personal life. Okay. So I didn't know about the connection between codependency and addiction until I was in grad school. And then I took an internship that was in a rehab. What I understood very, very quickly was it was never about the drug. It was never like that someone, no one ever came into the office that came into my office saying, I just love crack so much. It never, nobody, not, not one, not one person said, I just love heroin for, for heroin itself. Nobody said, I just love Coke for Coke itself. What it was, we get into it. What it was, was the effect that it gave me. It was never that I just love meth. Teeth falling out, looking crazy. Meth make you look just like those, uh, just like those slides they try to show you in the D.A.R.E. program in um, middle school. That's real. If you've never been around it, that's real stuff. Like, they'd be like, don't do drugs because you're going to look like this. Addicts, especially when somebody's withdrawing, it is like you are dying, And if you are doing a drug, you are killing yourself slowly, okay? So no one ever came, and then and you're also killing your life. You're just going to lose your, you lose your job, you lose in family, and you lose intangible things. You lose um, people's respect. People don't respect you anymore. They don't trust you anymore. They don't want to be around you like that unless you got a little thing for them. You know what I'm saying? So you you're so when you're in addiction, you are constantly losing things. Okay. So, so at the point that someone ends up in this rehab, they're never like, I just love heroin. I don't want to give up heroin. It's that I love the effect or I'm afraid that if I stop using it, I'm going to have to deal with my real life. I love the withdrawal. I love the distance that I get from my reality when I'm high. Okay. So why am I saying this? Because when we're talking about codependency in the context of relationships, it's that we are using people like a substance. I didn't know I was going to go all the way here right now. I don't know how I'm already here. Okay. But we use a person as a substance to soothe the negative feeling. Let's take our big ones, anxiety and depression and all the things that come underneath of it. I'm going to use a person as a substance and I will, when I take a hit of you, I don't feel so lonely. When I take a, you feel it? When I take a hit of you, I don't feel so anxious. I feel like maybe there's hope in my future. When I take a hit of you, when I take a sip of you, when I take a sip of you, suddenly I feel like maybe there is something to live for, okay? Even if you're not ingesting a substance, you might not be shooting heroin up, but who can you, who can't you stay away from? Who can't you stay away from? Who, when they call, you get that, you get that dopamine rush. You feel that, you feel that, that, that <gasps> everything's finally, everything's okay again. How, who, who's felt it? Who's felt it? Who's felt it? Who's felt it? I need to see you in the comments. Who's felt it? When you've been stressed, you can't eat, you can't sleep, you looking crazy. But when you get the text, when that phone call comes through, suddenly it feels like relief. That is the addiction of person. It's a person addiction. A person addiction. 
Okay. And then, and then again, let's, let's zoom back out. Right. Is someone really, and I'm going to get to this. I think is someone really addicted to cocaine. Technically. Yes. Right. Is someone addicted to crap? Technically. Yes. That's what you see on the surface, but what are you really addicted to? Come on. What are you really, what are you really, what is it that you really can't, that you just trying to get another hit of? I want to get another hit of love. I want to get some more oxytocin. I need a little taste. What is, is it, is it that I'm addicted to you, Michael? Is that I'm addicted to you, Danny? Is it that I'm addicted to you, Adriana? Is it that I'm addicted to you, Estrian? Is it that I'm addicted to you or am I addicted to the effect that you produce? It creates anxiety when I am looking for something on the outside of me to soothe what is on the inside of me. It creates anxiety because someone must behave. This is where y'all need to take some notes. Can't get your pen and paper. It creates anxiety in me because someone must behave in a certain way for you to feel okay. Someone must behave in a certain way for you to feel okay. If someone isn't behaving in the way that yet signals to you that everything is okay, you have a really big problem, especially if and when they decide to leave. If and when they decide to leave. And a little side note, that's like almost always with these situations. These, these relationships are so unsustainable and they become so toxic that somebody gonna get somebody just gets stressed to the met like gets, hits a point where they're like I literally cannot take another day, right? I call them like starburst relationships, and they usually start off very spicy, spicy. These are the relationships where I didn't even expect to talk about this part, but let me go ahead and give this to you. These are the relationships where you meet the person, and you're like, oh my gosh, I know I'm about to trigger somebody. This must this is my twin flame. This is my soulmate. I've never felt like this about anybody else. We just have so much in common. Our lives are like the exact same. It just feels like magic when we're together. It feels like, it just feels like the, oh my God, fairy dust just busting out our asses. (laughs) It just feels like, oh my gosh, I just can't get enough. These relationships are very spicy. Very, very spicy. (laughs) Who am I talking to? Spicy. They're hot starburst type of relationships because these are the type of relationships where you just, you, 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 um, especially when you got two codependent types, we don't talk about that a lot because two codependent types don't usually seek therapy because they're so enmeshed with each other. Enmeshed just means like ultra entwined, like where we don't even know who's who anymore. It feels like we are each other. These are the types that are like, it, we can just read each other's minds. Like, I just know what you're thinking. I know what you're feeling. When you have a headache, so do I. When your stomach hurts, mine does too. You don't want to, you don't, you don't want to eat that kind of thing anymore. Me neither. I'll give it up. Like you just mirror each other and you, you just fall into each other. We don't usually hear from them. We don't usually hear from them because They just get both get so lost these relationships. So even but even when it's like a like a super codependent type and a super avoidant type, they can still be very, very spicy that but the but the pursuer and the distancer creates this like it creates a chase dynamic. It's not the same energy. Okay, they're both very problematic. Okay, because in either of those situations. So so the the ones that just like pour, they just sink into each other. It's like this. 
Like literally, how many people have said something like this? Something toxic as hell like this. I know it's I know I have. I just want to be like in your pocket. You like you literally will say stuff like that. Like I li- I just want to like I want to be your literal skin. I want to literally be in you. Like I want to be you. Like I want to be like like if you if you could choose to be a Siamese twin with this person, like your head just popping out of their neck. You'd be like, yeah, sign me up for life after day six, <laughs> okay? That's that kind of relationship. Just, just, I'll be, just, just, just stick me in your shoe, and I'll just come with you everywhere. It's just like, you ain't got nothing else to do but be with them, but be with them. It's so crazy. Anyway, what am I even talking about, y'all? So, it, I didn't, this aren't, this is even in my notes, that's why I'm distracted, so you just become like very, very, these are, these relationships can be very spicy. They can be very, very hot. They can feel like, oh my gosh, what will I ever do without you? And it's literally been 11 days. You don't know anything, but that we have super intense chemistry. It also feels like that for addicts when they, for, when they take that first hit of heroin. Oh my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever had. I've never felt, I've never felt happy like this before. I've never felt happy like this before. Yeah. Right. I just can't imagine my life without you. Meanwhile, you've lived the last 36 years without this person. And suddenly, after 48 hours, you just cannot, like, you just cannot imagine. It's just impossible for you to go back. You're like, what is like, who has said this? (laughs) I'm messing with y'all tonight. Who has said this? I can't even remember what life was like before you. Who has said it? I can't even remember. What was I doing? You met this person. It's it's Monday. You met this person on Friday. And you're like, honestly, you're like, before Friday, it's only Monday. It was what? It was Friday? That was that, that was that night we were at that taco spot. Oh my God, that's when we met Friday. It feels like, oh my God. I feel like I've known you like I feel like I've always known you. Because we have made, because we make these people so so important to your internal functioning. When they leave, or if something happens, like whatever, it when when the when it's over, it leaves you. Oh, it leaves you reeling. It leaves you reeling. You end up stressed, depressed, upset, anxious, can't eat, can't sleep. It feels like, I mean, truly, seriously, I'm not, I'm, I'm being really serious. Like everything that I'm saying, I'm really actually like, this is, a, these are real experiences, right? Where it feels like when, when, when you leave, I have left with you. And so that's why a lot of people, when they end up doing this kind of work, it feels like I've lost myself. We hear that all of the time when we're talking about codependency. I feel like I've lost myself and I don't know how to get myself back because you, when you left, it feels like you brought me with you. So when you walked out the door, so did I. I no longer have a sense of myself. And that is very discombobulating. Okay. 
Uh, so it also creates anxiety because when someone doesn't want you to do, when someone doesn't do what you want them to do, AKA they trigger you because we never really want to be triggered. So when someone doesn't do what you want them to do, when someone does something that stresses you, you freak out and go either anxious or avoidant. In other words, you become dysregulated because we are dependent on someone to stabilize us internally. You are dependent on someone to stabilize you internally when they do something that spikes you. You try to control them to try to to try to get them to de-trigger you. You are dysregulated, but because they are your regulator, you feel like you have to control. They have to behave in a certain way in order for you to be able to come back down to center. Okay, when someone else is your regulator, your emotional, mental regulator, when they don't behave in a way that you like, you have a really big problem because you're not able to regulate yourself. They are your thermometer. If they go down, you go down. If they go up, you go up. If they go away, so do you. You try to force them to de-trigger you to try to bring you down to center by changing their behavior rather than regulating yourself. I want you to be less triggering rather than wondering what it is about me that is triggered. I go through the world feeling like if you would just stop, I would stop. If you would stop doing that, I would stop doing this. Rather than wondering what am I doing or why am I, what what is in me that allows me to do what I'm doing or why am I attracted to someone who consistently pushes this trigger button? Okay, so when we're in our codependent state, we are focused on another person's triggering behavior. I want you to note this. Here's a star. It's not that what the other person doing is not actually triggering. It often is. Usually someone isn't literally making something up. That's not it's not common that someone is like literally imagining things. So oftentimes someone really is like in this state with a triggering person. Okay, or at least triggering for them based off of the needs that they have. But it's so easy to focus on the triggering behavior that we fail to focus on the part of us. And this is not a codependent issue. This is a human issue. People just don't aren't challenged to be accountable enough until about what January 2022. Now, all of a sudden, the word accountability is hot. But um, so it's not just a codependent issue. It's just a immature thing. Just an, it's just emotional immaturity when we are not responsible for ourselves and we look and see what are you doing that is causing this internal reaction response in me. And if you would stop that, then I would stop this. The thing is, what's 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 interesting about that is that you're partially right, because if some if everybody stopped their triggering behavior, you wouldn't be triggered. There would be nothing to be triggered by. The problem is that the trigger would still exist within you which means that you are still reliant on the world being exactly the way you need it to be in order for you to feel okay, rather than learning how to be okay regardless of what the world does. We do all of that instead of either of these things, two things. We do all of that instead of changing the relationship, like setting boundaries or leaving the relationship. So we do all of that stuff, right? Controlling, forcing, Making some, making our life someone else's responsibility. We do all of these things instead of changing the relationship, like setting boundaries or leaving, or realizing that that other person does not need to be perfect or perfectly the way that you see it, perfect the way you see it, in order for you to have a relationship with them. So the question that comes here, the question that often comes up about this point is how do, well, okay, great. I know that I don't want to be controlling. I know that I don't want to be, um, 
clingy. I know that I want to be able to express healthfully. So, Taylor, how do I get to a place of being able to set boundaries without being afraid, without being afraid, without being afraid? How do I get to a place of being able to set boundaries without being afraid to do it? Let's talk about that in a minute. First, I want to tell you why it's so hard, why this is so hard to do. Number one, we believe that it is another person's responsibility to make us comfortable. We believe in our codependent state that it is another person's responsibility to make us comfortable. I'm going to direct you to the Healing Childhood Workshop right now, because in Healing Childhood, you're going to understand how you are trying to work out things that you didn't get from your parents through your adult romantic partners. Okay? We believe it is another person's responsibility to make us comfortable. Okay. Oh gosh, a lot I could say about that. This doesn't mean that you should be uncomfortable in a relationship, just like you shouldn't abandon your needs. Like when saying, well, people aren't perfect and I'm still not going to abandon myself if you're trash. So I'm not saying that you should be uncomfortable. What I am saying is that you have a better shot at comfort when you are not relying on another person to maintain your internal state. Then you can focus on genuine compatibility. Understand this, it is absolutely possible that even after you heal your anxiety, the other person still does not hit the mark for meeting your needs for a relationship. But you will not know unless you handle your codependency because your anxiety will get in the way of you being able to see whether y'all are genuinely compatible or not. It is hard for me to take the responsibility for figuring out what's going on with me and, and really soothing myself. It is hard for me because I really believe in my codependent state that it's your job. Why would I do what you're supposed to do, right? Why would I calm myself down if it's your job to calm me down? Right. So it's like we don't even try. It's like you supposed to you supposed to get me down to the ground. I'm not supposed to do that. That's your job. Why are you here? If you're not if you're not going to if you're not going to make me feel better, then what's the point? When you stop relying on someone to maintain or manage or uh, improve your internal state, you have a better shot of being comfortable with anybody being safe with anybody being able to sustain a relationship with anybody. I'm telling you that this improved my relationships across context, across the board. Even if I don't end up really liking you, because what did I say next, right? It's not, I'm saying that when you get your anxiety out of the way, you are then able to see if you are genuinely compatible with the other person. But when your anxiety, when your codependency is in the way, I really can't tell if we're a good fit or not because I'm so stressed that I'm so focused on trying to manage my stress that I'm not really worried about who you really are. I just want you to do something for me. Calm me down. Make me feel better. So I believe this is my real personal opinion. This is my personal opinion because professionally I help people based off of the parameters of the situation. I'm going to help you get to the max result that you can get. My personal opinion is that in most cases, dynamics like these, it's not a good fit. Why? Because y'all got together in an unhealthy way because you were unhealthy when you got in. Okay. And that's what made it work. You've got to understand this. 
If I'm, if we are unhealthy together at the beginning and through the relationship, when we get healthy or when one person gets healthy, we are no longer the same people that we were at the beginning. So who you're asking me to reconcile with is not going to be the same person that you thought would, like who you thought was attractive at the beginning of the work is not going to, you're not going to have the same attraction at the end of the work. Okay. If I'm attracted to you in my unhealthy state, when I get healthy, I do not see you the same way as I did when I was unhealthy. You don't serve the same purpose in my life. You don't serve the same purpose in my life. If I was unable, listen to me, if I was unable to, man, to, to manage myself and I clung to you because you were my lifeline, when I, and when I then learned how to feed myself, you do not serve the same purpose as you once did. You don't have the same function in my life. We were not, we were not genuinely lovingly attached. We were unhealthfully attached. So when you're, when someone's asking that question, can we, can we get back together? Will we still be together at the end of this? I'm like, who, who will be together at the end of this? You going to be somebody different or that person will be somebody different. You're not going to see this person the same way. So, and that, it's like, is it a trauma bond? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Maybe. Or the, or the dynamic. Um, it could be a trauma bond. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't. Okay. Because um, the dynamic might have just allowed y'all to not get very close. If one person is always freaking out and the other person is always withdrawing or y'all go back and forth with it, then you're never really able to see if you were able to be together anyway. So the unhealthy dynamic literally makes it work. Okay. It's the same thing as like a, a meth addict. You can die withdrawing from meth. That's why they give you like a meth junior when you're withdrawing. Like you can die withdrawing from meth. Okay. Why am I saying this? Because in other words, the dysfunction allows you to function. It's dysfunction. It's just a bad way of functioning. But it doesn't mean that you can't function. It just means that it's a toxic functioning. So... When we are with an unhealthy person, sometimes we, we take it, we take that as a cue that it could work just because we were together. But if your goal is to be healthy, you can't be healthy with an unhealthy person. You can't have a healthy relationship with an unhealthy dynamic. Okay. So what I'm saying is that like meth keeps you alive, even though it's killing you. Hey y'all, most people that are dealing with codependent issues, also have boundary issues. I've developed a boundary playbook. And with that boundary playbook, you get access to the private masterclasses that I'm hosting at least two times a month. Um, so the masterclasses will be the links, the private links and the access codes are sent to your email. And you can also opt in to get text messages as well if you'd like to get reminders for those masterclasses, which are included with your purchase of the boundary playbook. Okay, so the boundary playbook is um, linked in the show notes. Uh, once you do that, you are added to the email list. Once you purchase it, you're added to the email list for my boundary people. And then you can drop in on whatever master classes fit your schedule. They're held at different times and different days so that everyone has the opportunity to come in and get live coaching and feedback. All right, y'all, back to the episode. Suddenly, when we start to slow down, when we start to slow down and start to say like, oh, I'm getting, I'm starting to see things. Like I'm, I'm wanting to, you know, I'm recognizing my anxiety. I'm fixing these things. And now I'm starting to see you 
for who you really are, right? Because the anxiety is out of the way. And now we get the opportunity to see real compatibility. And a lot of people are like, what? Who is this? Why would I spend another day here? This don't make no sense. It makes sense when I'm, all of your unhealthy relationships make sense when you look back and you're like, oh, it's because I was looking for this. Oh, because I was insecure. Oh, because I didn't have confidence. Oh, because I didn't have purpose. Oh, because I didn't have a job. Oh, because, and you're like, oh, okay. You can see the function that that person served. Okay. So sometimes it's the dysfunction that we have together that literally allows us to function. Meth will never be apples. Meth is meth. Okay. Toxic relationships will never be healthy. It's toxic. It doesn't mean that you can't do it, but it does mean that it's good. It's going to be killing you while you're doing it. All right. So let's go to this. How do I get to a place of, of being able to set boundaries without being afraid? Now I'm really going to answer the question without saying why is it hard, okay? So here's two things. I need to get, I, I need to, what? I need to get, I need to get over the fear of being alone. If you are literally more valuable as a person in a relationship than when you are not in one, you are set up for anxiety. If you believe that you are more valuable in a relationship, then as an individual, you are setting yourself up for an anxiety attack. It understand it like that. Like, like think about it like this. These lashes can enrich my face, but it is not my face. Okay. A man's beard can enrich his face, but it is not his face. So a relationship can enrich your life, but it is not your individual. It is not, it is, a relationship can bring value to your life. But if you don't see your value as an individual, like that if it could not be great and you're like, it's bad, it's poor, it's it's not good, it's not good. I've got like my, my life is only valuable when I'm, when I am able to share it with another person in a romantic sense. You are setting yourself up for toxic relationship patterns because you're liable to, to attach to anything. Standards go down. When you are stressed and, and stressed and desperate, when we are desperate to have a certain type of experience, you never get a good one. I'm willing to bring things in that might not be legitimately good fits, okay? So a relationship enriches right? It, it can enrich. It doesn't always. And isn't that interesting how someone can have crazy relationship histories and is not with, there's always two sides to a coin, right? So it's interesting how this is a signal of, of desperation and codependency. Okay. When I'm only willing to see one side of the coin. So I'm, I'm a very black and white thinker, right? Where I'm like, I've got to be in a relationship in order to feel good ignoring the other side of the coin that says I have legitimately had relationships that were bad. It doesn't mean that it's all one of anything. What it means that I'm able to see the whole picture. I can flip the coins on both sides, meaning that a relationship can be great and a relationship can be trash. I'm not going to, I'm not going to define relationships as any one thing. What I am going to do is expand my perspective and I'm going to, I got to be brave enough to see both sides of the coin. 
that relationships can both be enriching and they can be depressing. They can be anxiety inducing and they can be um, joyful and exciting. Okay. But when I am, and when I convince myself that it's all one thing in either direction, I'm going to have a problem, AKA anxiety or depression. I'm going to be anxious to get a, an experience that I believe will only be joyful and exciting when actually it could be trash Okay, but I also have a problem if I'm like, it's all trash and it can't be good. So what I'm saying is that in our security, we're able to we're able to be flexible and say it could be this. It could be that. And in my flexibility, I don't become obsessed with either thing. So I got to get over the fear. um, Where would I even come with that? So, um, yeah, you get over the fear of being alone, uh, being able to be flexible in your perception of relationship. It can be this. It can be that. It's never one of any. It's not one of anything in either direction. Okay. So how do I get, uh, how do I get over the fear of being alone? Spending time with yourself. What about you do you like? A lot of people know all of the things. You got a note in your phone that says all of the things that you want to do with your new boo and you don't even got a boo. You got a note in your phone. You just can't. You And just think about this, y'all. And I'm not saying, but think about it metaphorically if it's not really you, right? If you got a note in your phone with all the things that you just would do with like, your new boo and you don't even got a boo, understand this. You just pl- you could just plug anybody into that. Um, Who's the problem? <laughs> How would that feel? For you, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk right to somebody right now. Okay. How would that feel for you, right? If you were just, uh, you make meet somebody and you really like them, and you, but they just, you just know they have a note in your phone that it could have been Brittany, it could have been Todd, it could have been Angela, it could have been Diana, it could have been Kareem, it could have been, it could have been anybody. They were just waiting to plug somebody into the experience that they wanted. I don't know how that would, I mean, would that, how would that feel for you? I'm just asking, like, I'm not saying it's anything. I'm just saying it's an interesting question. My point is this, you got to know what you want to do on your, that you would just do in relationship or out of relationship, that you're not waiting to experience your life. You're not waiting to ignite yourself at the like it doesn't need to be activated by another person it's not your the the value of your life is not contingent on another person entering into it you're living right now you're living right now you're living right now okay so you're living right now you don't start living when somebody enters into your life you don't start living when you get to go to the the when you get to work down the restaurant list on your phone you don't start living then you're living right now the issue is with codependency, people are living like they're dead as if someone is going to come and resuscitate them, breathe life into you because they said that they like you. So how do I get good? How do I get over the fear of being alone? What would you want to do whether you're in a relationship or not in one? Then go try it. Go do it. Go go to the restaurant. Go get yourself. Go do it. Go to the place. Go to the museum. Go go try. Go see what you just like. OK, that just makes you happy just because it's something that you legitimately enjoy. Codependent types often absorb into the other person and now suddenly your interests are my interests. What you like is what I like. When it's not really what you like, it's just that you like them or the idea of them. 
And probably beyond that, you just like the idea of being able to do something with somebody and post it somewhere. Okay, now here's the other thing. Here's the more important one, in my opinion. How do I start? How do I learn to set boundaries without being afraid? You have to change the position in your own life. You don't let other people drive you. You drive you. Don't let other people drive you. You drive you. Your energy comes from within you and you protect it rather than being tossed around by someone else or siphoning energy off of someone else. Some people, it's like, I'm telling you, it's like you don't light up. You don't, you don't turn the lights on until somebody notices you. Okay, what I am suggesting to you and challenging you to do is to turn the light on yourself and recognize that you can create energy within you. And then your job becomes instead of trying to get it from somebody else, you're you you have an empowered position and you protect the energy that is coming out of you. Suddenly you have standards. Suddenly you're able to put some boundaries in place because the energy coming from within me is valuable enough to protect. I don't require, I don't rely on you to fill me up, to light me up. I'm doing it all on my own. Suddenly I can, I, I have something to set boundaries around. Okay. When I am not, when I have no sense of myself, when I have no self-concept, when there is no weight in me, there's no boundaries. There's nothing to protect because I don't recognize who I am. Okay. That's why when trying to set boundaries without any confidence doesn't make any sense. There's nothing to protect according to you. It's not that that means it's not that that is there's nothing to protect like as a literal fact, but according to my perception of me. If the, if I don't if I don't have confidence in myself, if I don't believe that I am valuable, there is nothing to protect. So my boundaries land there, there's there's there a fence around what? A gate around what? Okay. They don't, they won't stick. There's nothing. That's why people will just bulldoze them because you don't actually, there's, you don't have a sense of what you're protecting. Okay. You've got to be willing to make decisions that you need to, to, that you need to make to ensure that you are able to maintain your energy. I've got to be willing to make the decisions that I need to make in order to protect myself. Again, this is to the question of how, how do I get to a place of being able to set boundaries? I must be willing to make the decisions that are necessary to protect myself. If I am not willing to make the decisions that are necessary to protect myself, what's the point? of putting any boundaries in place. What's the point of talking about standards and non-negotiables if you're not going to be willing to uphold the standards or the deal breaker of the non-negotiables? What's the point? There is none. I'll answer the question for you. There ain't none. Okay? In order to do that, in order to be willing to make the decisions that I need to make, that are necessary to make in order for me to protect myself, I have to believe, I have to know that I am important, my needs are important, and what I need to live a satisfying life is important, okay? Here's where God comes in. Listen to me. I have to see myself as valuable. The issue with codependence is this, one of the issues, one of the major issues, this is the bottom of it, okay? 
if I'm only getting my value through another person, like a romantic relationship, a job, whatever, but normally we're talking about romantic relationships. If I'm only getting my sense of value through another romantic relationship, then I just end up in the same loop. Understand this. You can listen to this whole podcast and say, okay, I will, I will find, I will um, learn that I'm valuable. I will recognize my value. But if the source remains and to be another person, you're going, you're just looping back in the same circle because right when someone devalues you or right when someone leaves you or right when someone doesn't treat you the way that you wish that they would treat you, you're still going to have a problem. So it's not about just recognizing your value. It's about getting your sense of value from the correct source, from the correct source. Okay, this is that this is that step right beyond. Okay, this is that step right beyond that a lot of people leave out because they don't want to talk about God. I'm telling you. Okay, so they'll say recognize your value, realize your worth. What they don't talk about is that if you're still getting your worth and your value from another person, it's a problem. And then even when they do say it, they don't say you got to look to God. They're not saying it. They're not saying it. They're not saying it. They're not saying it. So even when someone tries to act woke and they say, well, you can't get your self-worth from another person. We've all seen it. But when, where do I get it from? Thanks for listening, y'all. That is the end of part one. We'll do part two next week. If you're interested in seeing some of the uh, videos, the uh, content videos that have been recorded since this episode has been recorded join the patreon and you can get that content the patreon is linked in the show notes and um i will see you all next week oh don't forget if you would like to uh send some support in cash app paypal and venmo those are below um it's cash app dollar sign tay chand and on paypal is taylor at i am taylor chandler.com um what else in the venmo link is below mm. Oh, and if you have an opportunity um, to, or if you have a moment, how about that? If you have a moment to rate the podcast, I really appreciate it. So go ahead and hit the stars and leave a review if you have two moments. Thanks, y'all. And I will see you next week.